This week on the Podland Trailcasters. See, as a young kid say, it has been a minute. Have you ever used a chainsaw, Chris? Yeah, your your cardio is like mine. You're like the rhino in Jumanji. You know, back <laughs> yeah. in the original Jumanji, like it's a stampede, and they all run, and here comes the elephants the and the rhinos, guy. and then there's that one rhino. <laughs> <laughs> as he's just like chugging along. Yep, that's me. Is, is the extension the right phrasing for his contract even? I'm not. I'm that's not, not an extension because he's a free not agent. Extension. Right. Yeah, well, it's been a minute, Chris. It's out of practice. Like, I don't, I don't want it. Come on, I need you to try it. I don't want it. I don't like strawberries. <laughs> Have you ever had one? No. You can't, you can't look at me with a straight face, Keith, and say that you want to be competitive, which this team does. And then think they trend in Watford's part of that. I started by talking about Jabari Walker and then moved in towards trend in Watford because again, my, my brain is my basketball brain is out of practice, man. I've been flexing all these other muscles and the, the basketball brain side is kind of uh, uh, atrophied a little bit, I guess I gotta admit. But I don't wanna use the third pick. Have you ever used the third pick before? No, but I know <laughs> I don't wanna use it. Just try it. No. Okay, we drafted Brandon Miller. I need you to really try to accept this. Oh, I just watched a play. I think this kind of, I think this might work. I think this might work. It certainly doesn't seem viable. Shout out to Sean Hyken for that one. Hey. Uh, Sean had a great piece the other day about how there just aren't any viable Damian Lillard trades. And so viable has been like my word of the day for several days in a row. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, no, that is for, for last year. I'm so I'm falling apart, Keith. I'm not the only you're not the only one who's rusty. Damn it! That the uh, the the Garage Band has nothing from that record. <laughs> it's Looks still like, yeah. Frank still recording. Oh god. Okay. Well, at least I'll, I'll have backup audio. <laughs> that was so That's crazy. Funny. The whole thing went black. I'm like, wait, what the? Fuck? That's funny. Okay, hold on. Let me pull this back up here, and we'll get going. This Drew Banks hate will not stand. You you say? Yeah, I'm not hate. I'm not hating Drew. I gave yeah. him an A yeah, plus in our right. season review, but I mean, he's. All right. Want to get rolling then? And just give me the three, two, one. Hello, Rip City. To all of you, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, whether you're in town or out of town or in any corner of these worldwide interwebs, welcome back to the Podland Trailcasters, and thank you for tuning in. The voice you're currently hearing is none other than myself, the not-so-vanilla Hood River Gorilla. That would make me Keith Feltner-Smith. And here with me to balance this Hawaiian-time Oregonian, we have, as always, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues. We call him Mr. Professional because Burke time doesn't stop. Christopher Joseph Burkhart, what is up, my long-lost friend? How are you? Oh, you know, I'm just setting fire, so you have something to do all summer, you know? <laughs> I don't need to be more busy. This this job is keeping me plenty spun around and crazy uh, and all that. And I haven't even been on an official firefight yet. But we will get into all that, man. The new job is insane. Uh, you know, let's just let's get into it now. We don't we don't need no love hugs and hate mail today. Everything is love today. I'm just I'm stoked to be back podcasting with my guy. It has been I think a month and a month and ten or or more days. Maybe gosh, it is, it's been far too long since we've gotten on here. 
quick shout uh, as, the, as the young kids say it has been a minute it has been quite a minute indeed quick shout out to our guys bmac and deepak on the discord those guys jumped in gave us a, a nice little interlude pod when i have been too busy to take part they came into some awesome draft theoretical conversations posted that a while ago but even it's been even a week since that happened there's been there's been just silence and static on our on our podcast feed recently my apologies to all of you for that but if you have missed the podcast, I hope that you have come and joined us on Discord. We've been having a lot of fun in there. The summer off-season conversations have continued. Basketball, uh, NBA, WNBA, Timbers, Thorns, lots of sports, lots of poker, video gaming, hoops in, in person even. Shout out to uh, Goldner and Seth and Ike and BMAC as well. and. Uh, Drew, all the dudes that got together for some actual live basketball the other day, it's cool to see the, the bonds that we've formed on here are happening, uh, turning to real life friendships and lots of, lots and lots and lots of fun off-season stuff going on. Nothing on the pod channel, but come and join the Discord, the link is in the episode description. That's all we're doing for that, we're skipping through the love hugs and hate mail. Chris, I just want to hear, before we get into the basketball stuff, about you. I want to catch up with my guy, with Mr. Burkhardt. How is the life of a t-ball coach? Uh, it sounds like it was a pretty good season. You guys are going to celebrate your, your championship trophy today, is that right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's in the league, it doesn't keep, uh, keep score or tallies of wins and losses. We were the champions, that's uh, without a doubt, absolute fact, you cannot tell me otherwise. Um, yeah, it was exhausting. A lot of uh, scouting went into that, you know, endless hours in front of the computer and on the tablet scouting these little five year olds, making sure, you know, hey, like I needed to know that I needed to have my people in the right position. Like if this player was going to hit to the left side of the field, I need to make sure my girls were in the right spot. You know, that's what good coaches do. Well, and, you know, we saw we saw some of those videos. I saw at least uh, the one clip on did, I think you shared that on Discord, right? The, the the clip of your girl tagging up, and we saw Coach Burkhart coming in close to observe the action, all oh, yeah. tensed up and just kind of like ready to explode if it went right. And then the play went right. She tacked the base, and the spinning 180 degree double fist pump straight up in the air, celebratory uh, victory dance. It was beautiful. It, it was a wonderful moment, and I feel like we we were all Burkhart in that in that moment right there. Very That's happy good. for you, man. Yeah, it, it seems like it's been a good summer for you. It has been a good summer, and it has just started. So yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I say good summer as if we're somehow wrapping up. Today is June 11th, so we're very much not wrapping up. I don't think it's officially even summer. We haven't hit the solstice yet, so we're not officially at the real first day of summer. Myself, on the other hand, you know, last time, Chris, last time you and I did do a pod a little over a month ago, we talked about how if you and I had moved to Hawaii, I'd probably have just ended up a beach bum. Uh, down there in, in Manoa, the, the college that neither of us, the, the college that was not for both of us. Uh, apparently, if I instead moved to the gorge, I'd end up being a wildland firefighter because this, the, the last month and change has been insane for me. It's the single biggest reason that we haven't had more of these off-season pods. It's also given me something very non-basketball to sink my teeth into as we get through my least favorite part of the basketball calendar. I'm sure I will have lots more stories about that as things progress on, maybe for our next pod, but Let's recap real quick, since it has been so long since we lasted a pod, let's just go through some of the hits, some of the Blazers off-season hits so far, with obviously plenty more to come. If we start wide, you know, zoom out a bit, just start with more of the NBA focus. We missed that Sabonis and Draymond fracas. I really wanted to get more into talking about some of that stuff, the Sabonis-Draymond stuff, the uh, uh, Dylan Brooks stuff. That was uh, lots of drama around the league as the regular season was ra wrapping up, even like non-Blazers drama. We've seen a lot of head coaches being let go, and yet Portland is still stuck here with Chauncey. That's been kind of frustrating to watch. 
Uh, we saw Dame get third team All-NBA, maybe being penalized a little bit for not playing more games despite other players higher up in the NBA or in the All-NBA tiers, uh, maybe not getting penalized in that same way. That was kind of a little frustrating as well. Beyond the frustrating sides, we've also seen the Blazers finally announce that they're getting a G League team. We will be having Blazer, uh, Blazers G League basketball at the Child Center at PSU coming this next fall. Has the date been announced for, for when games start for that? Do you know? I don't believe so. I don't believe so either. I don't think we have, we don't have an official team name. We've seen some players that they have the rights to retain, uh, but we will keep you abreast of all the details as those come out. And, you know, maybe with, again, with a slight delay, just depending on how uh, frequently I can drag my tired ass in here to get another podcast done and find time to edit. Also, again, want to just give a shout uh, to our guys, BMAC and Deepak. Hey, hey. It was after all that on the timeline that they came in, gave us their draft theoretical pod, episode 221. Uh, and even that one, I mean, I feel like that was, again, probably just about a month ago. It has been way too long. But it was nice to get them in here, nice to get some different voices, and just nice to kind of get, you know, keep some fresh perspective on the pod. Then the draft lottery actually did come around, and there's no more speculation. After BMAC and Deepak had talked about if we got the first pick, the third pick, or the seventh pick, they laid out all these scenarios for each of them. The draft lottery finally came around. The Blazers sent Brandon Roy to rep them at the draft again. And once again, Brandon Roy comes through, not with the first pick necessarily, but with the third, which is still a massive victory for us. Does this basically mean that we need to send B-Roy to every draft lotto that, that we got to be repped at? No. No? Who, who, who else would be the choice? I feel like he's a pretty natural pick. I get what you just did there. Natural. Hey-o. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, like with that with that record, two, uh, he's been sent twice. He's gotten a top three pick each time. I, I think if we ever need to go be representing the lottery, I don't know why we'd go anywhere else than, than B-Roy. Uh, he, didn't, he, he didn't get number one this time, though. So, nope, the juju's gone. Mix the it juju, up. it's just not good enough. The third pick is just not there anymore. Nope. You know, if, if we'd sent Brooke, then we would have had Wemby. Like if, if Brooke Olsen Dam had gone hey. to the draft lotto, we'd be coming home with Wemby and Yama. Is that what you're saying? No, nope. no, nope, you're not gonna stick on that one either. <laughs> no, nope. she's too nice. I need, I, I, I send, send Rashid Wallace. Let's put him out there. Oh, okay. There you go. I like that. But I'll, I mean, I'll, yo, give, give me, give me, give me, give me Papa Sabas. Give me Papa Sabas oh, in there. That'd be fun. Young. I like that. Idea. Or like representing the Blazers at this year's draft lottery, Ruben Boomche Boomche. Oh, bring that. See that. I mean, the whole point of them bringing in Brandon Roy was to try and start repairing some of these uh, relations with some of their former players. And, and, you know, we've seen that stuff. We've joked about the stuff previously in the pod with Terry Porter and some of the other things coming around. But yeah, you can't just stop it, B Roy. You've got a good point. We got to bring Sheed back into the fold, Sabas back into the fold. Boom Shay, Boom Shay. That would be a callback. I don't even, I don't even know if most fans are going to are gonna know at this point the connection the relation but i got that little i've got the, that little plush doll around here somewhere the boom shay <laughs> boom shay doll is sitting on one of these counters i should really have that in the background for this pod in the future i'm happy that they're doing it i, I think it's a good way to i think it was good to see brand roy get back involved with the team i don't know oh, if yeah. it means that we're going to see him i don't know what do you think do you think we're going to see him involved with the team further is he going to get like a front office job is he going to get his jersey in the rafters like where does this go next no, you didn't get no front office job. Come on, that's that's, that's <laughs> ludicrous. I, I get it, fans. You, you love this stuff, and you you want B Roy to be it. No, you don't. You don't just give some guy a front office job because he used to play for you like that. That's your recipe for disaster, my friend. You got to make sure uh, guys are good at that job before you just hire them. Look at your your head coach. Okay, I think when you go out, honestly, Keith, and you do, you know, all your summer longs, right? You do. They do that event where they go out to the different cities across the state to reach out to, you know, the coast and and oh, yeah. Pendleton or whatever. 
Um, you know, coming up here, the, they came up here to Cascade Locks. They hit up Brigham Fish right. Market. It was a great event. Right. You know, the, 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 the people who don't get a chance to come to Portland and, and see stuff. And I think those are the, the opportunities that are best suited for some of these guys. Like get Brandon Roy to an event like that, right? Get Terry mm. Porter uh, to an event like that. Have them forward facing. And I, I think you put them in a position like you had Bill Shawnley, right? You're, you're an ambassador. You're, yeah, you're, okay. You have a free pass to every single game. You have your, your reserve seat and, you know, you you represent the brand and as long as you can or as long as you want to. And you know how radio stations have street teams, right? Yeah. You, know, you go out, you go out and it's the the K103 street team or jamming 95.5 or whatever the hell it was. Like, <laughs> I think these I, I think these ambassadors, these these former players need to be part of these these street teams. Right. So get them forward facing, get them involved with the fans and and then have them do things from a from a PR and advertising perspective and so that they're always always part of the organization they feel involved they're on the payroll they're not making important decisions but you know they're part of that ring of honor yeah i, I think the the generational connections i think is exactly right and you know they they're they're in the first steps of it they are they have finally at least realized that there was a mistake that there was a gap that they are not really covering here that i think fans were looking for and i'm excited to see how it grows from here and who else they can bring in I would love to see Sheed or Sabas at the... I, I, I'm not even saying next season for the draft, because I think Blazers hopefully will be better than that this year. But, I mean, yeah, imagine down down in the future, Blazers are back in some draft lottery, and let's say maybe Kings are there too, when you get senior Sabas and junior Sabas both repping their teams at the at the lottery. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, uh, It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Beyond that, though, beyond the court and all the, the draft theatrics around the draft we also had some blazers theatrics on social media we've had some really fun off-season content from dame on ig with his kids getting his face covered in stickers we've had jeremy grant on ig talking about his personal essentials such as poetry i'm trying to remember some of the other great details that grant had on there 10 things uh jeremy grant couldn't live without and uh, yeah he was, he was talking about sage crystals poetry talking about how the Jeremy Grant, dude, I think he's he's just so full Portland. He is very much a a Portland <laughs> figure, and seeing some of these things that you know that his essentials, as he put, I think just really he's locked in here, man. We haven't had any word on Jeremy Grant officially signing back with Portland, but it seems pretty inevitable. Am I wrong about that? Not at all. You, you not at all. You, yeah. Detroit is trying to say that they're in play, but no. Yeah, it's, it, this is uh, I, he's Portland's. I mean, all indications for the last few months. Honestly, we've been telling you this forever. Everyone's been worried about uh, if they lose him for for nothing to free agency. You should have traded him. That like all indications are that he is re-signing with the team. I'm pretty sure that was a, a handshake deal that they had going. I think the fact that the trade deadline came and went and there was never even any Jeremy Grant rumors kind of solidified right, that. Like they, right. they weren't they weren't shopping him, meaning if they weren't shopping him, then they had zero fear of losing him uh in, in free agency. And they have the ability exactly. to, to give him, you know, more money than he would he would uh be allowed in free agency because of the rights that they have on him. So yeah, it is he's he's a blazer. He's a blazer. He is a blazer. I don't I, I, I don't feel... I don't see that changing like, like all signs point to him uh being a blazer and part of this this build that they're doing is involving him wearing the pinwheel we've also seen some stuff uh shout out to cat for this one cat renzer on discord pointed out that jabari walker he's been on instagram as well a lot 
looking pretty ripped, I guess. I guess he's been, where does he's been staying in town, working out at the same uh, location as Dame, hopefully working out with Dame. How about Jabari, though? If, if you see Jabari getting all ripped this summer, working out with Dame, do you see him kind of stepping up to a bigger role with the Blazers this next season, or is he still more in kind of rookie mode where he's just trying to need needing to fill in a little? No, nah, he still needs to fill in. He, he's he's still filling in. I mean, he he makes a, a lot of mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. I know people love his hustle and and what he can do defensively. The uh, the the bulk that he's putting on. I mean, it, I mean, I think he did it throughout the year, and you can see that looking through the photos. Like if you if you look at his media day shots versus some of his in-game shots from the end of the year. I mean, he was, he was getting cut. So he was, he was putting in some work. Um, and then the shots lately of him in the gym, he, he's definitely bulked up. I think that that is without question. He, he has gotten bigger. NBA size. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be- benefit him when it comes to, to finding time on the court. The thing with him, Keith, is like, you, you really like Trenton Watford. You called him a, a Draymond green light. And that's kind of where everyone went with him. And, and, and I agree, like he, he did those little things, but the thing that I think sets Walker and, and he apart is their ability to, to really make stops on the defensive side of the ball. The Jabari's made his entire career off that. That's, that's what made him uh, a great player in college was defense when Portland drafted him. And we had all the, the guys who covered him at Colorado on the radio show. We asked them like, how's he going to be get on the court? And they all said like, it's, he's probably not a day one NBA player just because of how much he's going to have to learn. Uh, but if, but they all said, you know, if he bulks up and works on defense, which he's already really good at, that's how he's going to get on the floor. So I think that's intriguing with him. We know, you know, listeners like, like BMAC love the guy. Um, and I definitely think in this, in this league, you, if you're good at defense and you have size to back it up, that's good because those are the things I, those are the things that it's proven. Uh, it's the harder, it's the hard side of the ball to teach. You could teach a bad shooter to, to, to shoot well, eventually. You can't really teach a bad defender to, to, to be good. Like, it's just, it's just a harder thing to do. You can't walk into the gym and just practice defense by yourself. Right, like you, yeah. You, you just can't. But if Jabari Walker is a bad shooter, he can walk into any gym in the world exactly. with a basketball by himself and practice shooting. Put in right? some work. Yep. I mean, look and look at all the players who have who have come into Portland who were bad shooters who were good where they're here. I mean, Alfred Aminu's one. He improved his shot while he was here. He was still busted, but oh, yeah. he improved <laughs> it. Uh, Nasir Little came into the league with an absolute broken jump shot, and you guys, hey! you the fan collectively, hey! uh, gushed over him all this year with just cause because his shot was, as you said, wet. Dude was pure. All because he put in that work. So if Jabari can get that part, that's great. But yeah, get some size on that on that frame that he's already building. You know, the building blocks for being a good defensive player. Uh, he's an end of the bench guy at this point, but wouldn't be shocked if he cracks a rotation here in Portland or otherwise. Speaking of size and defense and all those kind of harder to teach things that are so valuable in the NBA and can be the real difference makers in in games and even series. Let's say, how you how much of the NBA Finals have you been watching? all of it i'm a basketball junkie <laughs> you have the receipts this podcast has the receipts rip city radio has them i have been on the nuggets since the beginning of the year i that they were my favorite team in the league i thought they were the best team in the league my only question was can they do it in the playoffs because i think they've been one of the better teams in the league for a few years now playoffs they've always just kind of faltered but hell well, has been in their side and they've been yeah. flipping incredible jamal murray might be one of the more uh, just undervalued point guards in this game. I think people forget that prior to his injury, he was 
quickly becoming one of the best. And he should absolutely. People people scoffed at that early in the playoffs. I think the quote came out about him saying he, he thinks he's the best point guard in the game or something like that, or one of the best. Like he absolutely is. He, he's incredible. Yeah. And when he's hot, 10 and he's 10. hot. Like yeah. yeah, he's 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 damn good, man. And then you got Nikola Jokic who, who's playing at an entirely uh, an entirely another level, man. So I, I think what's interesting here, Keith, is like how are teams going to build their rosters? to beat Denver, right? Because you're going to, mm. you need someone to body up Jokic and you need someone to, to give him, give him a what for. Dude, Bam Adebayo is an absolute great defender. Like he has been all year long. He can't stop Nikola Jokic. It's, it's, it, it's a matter it's, of size, man. Like Jokic, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a matter of size. And so, you know, what's interesting is what does Portland have mm. at that position right now? Right. Does Denver's success kind of really buff Nurkic's value? I actually, I actually do think it, it it builds up his importance to a team like Portland yeah, if you want to be competitive so. because you guys have seen it here. Like, does Yusuf Nurkic get roasted when he plays Nikola Jokic? Yes, everybody does. Who doesn't? But because, yeah. but because he's a big body, like he makes he makes Jokic work. Yeah, like he it's like it's a little bit of like Sabas and Shaq, right? Like, like Shaq could dominate busted leg Arvita Sabonis, right? But Arvita Sabonis still played just about better defense against Shaq than anybody else in the league. It's not like, about stopping the, him, it's about slowing him down at that like, point, right? Like the set the centers who are because everybody's gone small ball, right? The mm, the the centers yeah. who the centers who are big enough to really absorb when Jokic puts his back to the basket are few. Like Anthony Davis is just a big ass body, right? He's not like the girth of a Jokic or a, or a Nurk or a Brooke Lopez, but he's just, he's one of the best defenders in the game when he's healthy. We all know this, right? So Eyes he and can, length, he, yeah. Yeah, he can, he can get it done. Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez is a, is a brick house of a man. Like he's just stout, strong. He can put those tree trunks into the ground and he cannot be moved. And that's why he's been a great defensive center for a long time in this league. Free agent. Yeah, free agent that has been linked to Portland. Free agent uh, Brooke and Lopez. that's flying under the radar. Yeah, but so, so you look at, but then you look at like Bam out of bio, Super athletic, right? But air quotes, undersized for a center at what six nine, doesn't have that same uh, build of those prototypical big guy centers to you know really play defense down in the paint. He he gets he he very similar to Drew Eubanks, except much more efficient than Drew Eubanks. But Drew Eubanks played pretty good defense for his position this year, and it was because of just his athleticism, like his ability mm. to to move around a little bit because he's a smaller guy. Um, but he wasn't bodying up Jokic in the paint, right? Nurkic does a pretty good <laughs> job of that. So it does, because if, if if Denver wins this series and continues to build their, their team into a, a dynasty of sorts, which they will do, teams are going to start to want to maybe find a little bit of those bigger body um, defensive centers to, to put against him. And Just to at least have one on the roster. Can do that. Exactly. And so I think Yusuf Nurkic fills that role for, for a lot of teams and a lot of players. So it's very interesting to see how that goes. I, we'll, we'll get more into this uh, in a little bit. But yeah, I, I think Nurkic's situation is is very curious because we've been talking for a while about uh, what trade pieces the Blazers have. And, and largely, a, a, a simple summary would be that we have our picks, the third or the 23rd, and the third and or the 23rd pick. And then we have Anthony Simon's contract and Yusuf Nurkic's contract as far as big value pieces that we can move. It seems more and more, at least from Nurk's... Uh, from his communications, from the things that he is sharing online and on socials, that he's feeling pretty comfortable and confident being in Portland. 
Now, on one hand, that's Nurkic. It's the way he carries himself. He always speaks with confidence, and he kind of speaks with a, a very optimistic view on, on how things could be. I'm not going to fault him for that. But it does seem like... I, I seeing what the Nuggets are doing here, seeing what how good Jokic is, like you said, teams need to have something to slow that dude down. I think the issue with Portland and Nurkic is Blazers are, at least Blazers fans, are convinced that we need something more uh, defensively oriented on on the starting line. And so maybe the hope would be, you know, finding some, like making some big trade that then you're, uh, you're not going to bring Nurkic in off the bench, right? So like if, if we've got Nurk, he's going to be that starting C. If we... If we can move Nurk for some other piece, it almost feels like it's again like with the way that the that Jokic has been looking, it feels like it's gotta be for another big. You gotta have another start and see. There's been some recent rumors around DeAndre Ayton that we can get into like that. Like you and I mentioned earlier, uh, Brooke Lopez has been kind of on the radar in some some little uh, whispers here and there as far as a piece the Blazers are looking at. But that's all that's all kind of up in the air and and, and kind of hard to hard to nail down until we until we get a little closer. It's it's less than a month away. We're now. Yeah, we're 11 days away from the from the draft. So it, it, like we're going to have more of this information soon. But yeah, Nurkic's case, it's it's just he I, I think his value is going up both as a piece, but also as maybe someone that Portland should try to hold on to because we're going to need a guy like him. And if you get rid of him, it's only going to be tougher to get one back. Yeah, absolutely, Keith. And I also think that. I don't think it can be understated, honestly, like people want to say how bad uh, Yusuf Nurkic is defensively and this and that. And to be frank, like, I think he gets left on an island a lot because yeah. the, 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 the front line defense is terrible, right? Yeah. So, so Anthony, Anthony Simons is not bodying anybody up and keeping them in front of him, right? They're getting, they're blowing by him. Same thing with Damian Lillard. Uh, you had Josh Hart who, who was good, but outside of that, your defense in that position was weak. Jeremy Grant is, I thought, was actually pretty good at keeping guys in front of him, but it was the it wasn't the exact same type of player that's just getting by, running to the basket, and attacking Nurk. So Nurk gets left on an island because he's guarding his guy, but then he has to get out to get the guy that the other guys can't guard. Right. I mean, what 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 makes what makes even a guy like Jokic, who people dog on his defense, right? And he's playing really good defense in the playoffs right now is because everybody stepped up their defense and, and Michael Porter Jr. is not a slouch on that that side. Contavious Caldwell Pope has been really good on that side of the ball his entire career. Jamal Murray is, does not get knocked for being a bad defender. So those guys, all you got, I mean, they, they bump their guys. They make their guys work to get by them. And so it gives a little bit of help. Uh, to Nikola Jokic by the time they get there. And that, I mean, all the best defensive centers. I mean, look, again, look at look at Brooke Lopez. I mean, that guy's been one of the best defensive centers for the last handful of years. But he gets help because Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday, right? And, and even Bobby yeah. Portis plays a good job there. So He's not the uh, only player among them that's like a defensive yeah. player that's known for yeah, you need you need guys. You need guys to, to stop the other team. Uh, from even getting to the paint with ease because the thing is when they get to the paint with ease and then Nurk gets off his guy to try to stop them it's the easy pass to the you know two verse one boom easy bucket so you just need a little bit of help so I, I'm not you know convinced you know if you don't go get help at the small forward position and get some other guys that can play better defense that, that Nurk's defense doesn't improve along with it so uh, I'm not completely on the Nurk needs to go train. I've been on this one uh, for a while too. Like I, all I want from Yusuf Nurkic is more consistency. That's all I want. Yeah. Because if more... he's consistent, he's absolutely what you need and what you want. 
I got to point out too that uh, that you once again quoted me in the Discord, and I, I always got to highlight those moments. Always got to really kind of uh, squeeze those for as much juice as possible. But uh, we we we've had conversations before as far as the gap between Nurk and someone better than him who we could replace him with versus the gap between, like you're pointing out, our small forward rotation or our shooting guard rotation and the gap that we, or like the, the gap between them and someone that we could replace them with. Those shooting guard or small forward gaps are much bigger than the gap between Nurk and a center that we could bring in here. So like, it's, it, just... it's it's weird, Keith, that, that, that Nurk becomes this weird little thing where everyone wants to improve him. I think it's just because he's become a little bit polarizing for people. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. And at least he's polarizing for, you know, his play on the court. It's nothing. It's nothing else. Like I said, I think I think people just want him to be consistent. Right. Um, but the thing is, like forever, we've been arguing they need they need help at the forward. They need help at the forward. They need help at the forward. And now that they have assets. All of a sudden people are like, oh, an upgrade over Nurk and upgrade. It, do, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't help me. Like if you go like, OK, like DeAndre Ayton is a name that gets floated out there. Now, I know some people like like yourself hesitate at that because you're like i don't want that that upgrade over nurk with the cost associated with that because he's an expensive player the thing is he he is a better center than yusuf nurkic like that i i think that's pretty cut and dried if you're arguing otherwise i don't know how much basketball we're truly watching here <laughs> so I, I think he's a better center uh than yusuf nurkic but if you go trade nurk and assets to go get deandre eight and cool you got a better center but you did not address the weakest right. spots, spots of your roster so, so you need to address those weak spots first. And then if you can address small forward, go do your thing with whatever you're going to do with your shooting guard position and, and all that. And now Nurk in your starting five is your weakest player. Okay, then maybe you can go address that. But you, if you just go get DeAndre Ayton, you did not fix a, a thing because it now doesn't, you used doesn't your, move the sword. Yeah, you it's, used it's, your it's, assets to go get him and now have no assets to go get the positions that are still completely empty of debt it's kind of like what happened with phoenix already where they used all their assets to get kevin durant and suddenly they had nothing left behind cb3 booker kevin durant and aiden there was nothing left behind them that screwed right. them out of the playoffs basically i i think the the biggest takeaway here like we're talking about the 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 nuggets in the heat series the heat have had an awesome run the david Goliath, the david versus Goliath story has has been really fun to watch but in the end that that old trope comes back defense and size wins championships and the nuggets have it in spades they have all the size they have defensive players they have guys performing at their best the way denver is playing it's it you you win championships you get to that level by playing defense by playing smart ball by having all these guys performing at their top level you don't do it just by trading out uh, trying to make the the minor moves like you don't do it with a minor upgrade at center if you're not addressing other spots as well and you don't do it like you said earlier by having kind of that, that Toro defense from the guards, which then you're making your big men cover up more, uh, cover up for more. We'll get more into all the details and ins and outs and potential possibilities of what the Blazers could be doing with all the, the roster changes. There is lots of time ahead to think about that. I want to focus for a second on one thing that is not changing because Chris, right now we have been stuck. Like I said earlier in the pod, we've been stuck in my least favorite part of the NBA calendar. That is the NBA lion season. With all of this, all, all the posturing, all the time leading up to the draft, after the draft lottery, until June 22nd, uh, when the draft actually happens and all these trades can be finalized, there is there is so much smoke, there is so much talk that goes on between overvaluing, overvaluing or undervaluing assets like picks, trying to talk about what players are wanting out of town or whether they should go somewhere else, all the bad, all the 
bad faith trades that get put through Trade Machine, all the, the fan fiction as we've been calling them in Discord. A shout out to Tara for that one. Uh, I hate it, man. I like I, I love narratives. I love getting petty. I love kind of talking about the drama behind the scenes and off court for the NBA. That's part of what I enjoy about the NBA, uh, just the, about the NBA package. But the Lions season, man, it just drives me nuts. And I'm I'm going to admit, maybe a big part of that is because a very essential part of the NBA Lions season, especially the last couple of years, is Dame trade rumors. And it's I have no faith in them. I understand that, yes, it's always been a possibility. Lots of things are never impossible. It is certainly within the realm of reality that, yeah, Dame, like he said, if Blazers were going to pull another 19-year-old, maybe he'd want to ask out. Maybe he'd want to no longer be a Blazer. I have had a hard time putting any faith in that, and even less faith can really be put in it recently after some of the interviews and some of the responses Dame has had online. He did an interview with Brian Cusser from Showtime's Last Stand. This was maybe a week or two ago, so I'm kind of almost glad that we waited this long on having another pod because it lets us talk about this. But the interview, Cusser was trying so hard to get Dame to talk about what team would you want to get traded to, and Dame had some very clear and concise statements about how it's not realistic, how there wouldn't be packages uh, that would be available, like trades that didn't really make sense. Uh, it, was, it was, Dame was admitting, that, yeah, it's probably not likely to happen. But then he still went and followed up with saying something about, yeah, Bam's my guy. Bam Adebayo like, you know, is, is a, real, a real guy that I'd want to play with. So instantly, that's what people would lock into. From this whole hour-long interview he did with Custer, people are locking into the small little sound bites about Dame saying he likes Bam, or Dame saying something about Brooklyn. In the same interview where they ended the whole piece with Brian Custer saying, do you see yourself as a Blazer, uh, or do you see yourself in a Blazer jersey next fall? And Dame said, I do. Very plainly, very simple and concise. He is saying he doesn't expect to go anywhere, but no one wants to hear that. And man, I no. just get tired of it. <laughs> I just it, just it is it is funny to me, Keith, that like the 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 people here on the you need to trade Dame trade. He's just he's just awful, and he he can't help you. And that contract and blah blah blah. If Dame is so awful and he can't help you, then why is he being linked to any team with a pulse? Yeah, <laughs> any team with a pulse is linked to Damian Lillard right now. That one's crazy to me. I think you realistically look at this. Uh, I don't agree with the you know some of our guys here in the Discord, like like a BMAC who who thinks there's trades out there. I don't think there is. I think the teams that would want Damian Lillard don't have the assets to get him, right. and the teams the teams that have the assets to get him don't need him. Or, or the teams that have the assets to get him would be gutted by trading those right. assets to get him. And so he's not on a contender if they have no one left. Yeah. And any of the teams that do have or who are full of assets, like so, any of these rebuilding teams, right? Uh, then if they're, if they're looking and calling to Portland, like, I'm looking at, okay, I want that number three pick. Like, right. I, want, I want to continue. Like, I can take Dame and rebuild around the 30-year-old, or I can take the number three pick and draft scoot to be my future point guard and everybody's contract. Time, yeah. Yeah. And everybody's timelines match up. Like it, it like Dame right. doesn't make sense for them. D Dame is here in Portland. And I think that's where Dame is going to stay. Uh, any Intel we've been gathering is that the, the front office fully believes that even if they do use that pick, that Damian Lillard is not going to ask, ask to be traded. And, and I don't, I don't think that he will either. <laughs> The, the part that, that would scare me a, a, a little bit is is making sure that you do not repeat uh, your your past transgressions 
And I think that is uh, whether you draft a scoot or you draft one of the Thompson twins or Brandon Miller is available and you draft him. I think the front office needs to make sure 100% that, Hey, we just drafted this guy to be, be our future, but he is, he is here to work with Dane. He is, we are putting him around Dame. And what I mean by that is you guys hate, hate the guy, but LaMarcus Aldridge was the face of the franchise. They drafted Dame and without hesitation, quickly pivoted to start making Dame the face of the franchise. And that soured LaMarcus Aldridge very, very quickly. And I honest to God think that would sour Damian Lillard very, very quickly. I think he would be fine playing with anybody, but I think he, no, this is my team. This is my team. Mm, and if you, interesting. If, if, if you start pushing the other guy as the face of the franchise, we might have a problem. Some of our people on Discord have asked us that on, on one of our next pods, they wanted us to kind of get into laying out three different scenarios the Blazers could be pursuing here. And obviously, we haven't had as many pods this offseason. My apologies to everyone for that. And the draft is quick approaching, so I don't want to delay too much longer. So we're just going to kind of throw this together real quick. The, the general three paths that we've been the the general three paths that have been laid out in front of the Blazers right now. Trade Damon Go Young, which again, like we've been discussing, Chris, seems less and less likely. It was never super likely, never seemed like the smartest idea in the world, in, in my opinion. But a lot of Blazer fans wanted to go that direction. That's just the way sports fans are nowadays with fantasy ball and sports betting and the rest of it. it, it there's just more of a more of an idea of just treat these guys as assets. And going young, certainly, you know, it's, it's a, certainly a way to maximize efficiency with your assets. Not happening, though. We're, we're really not even going to like look at that path on the left, that, that trade Dame and go young. The middle road is the one that you've been talking about here. Despite Dame having said he didn't want any more 19-year-olds, like you said, Scoot or, or Brandon Miller or one of the Thompson twins, it does seem more and more... Like some of these guys could just be good enough from day one to be a contributor on a team where we're still trying to push ahead on Dame's timeline, where it's still on a Damian Lillard team, but you've got this guy that can contribute. Of the ones you mentioned there, between Scoot, Brandon Miller, and one of the Thompsons, are you, are you, you have kind of a preference towards Miller? Is that the way you're kind of leaning as far as the Blazers fit next to Dame? For sure. If he, if he were available, I don't, I don't think he's going to be available. I think, I think Charlotte takes him there at two. Now I know that uh, Amin Thompson is also highly touted some people think he may have the highest ceiling in this entire draft from anybody not named victor Wembenyama. as where brandon miller i think would be the better plug and play go right now player personally i think again it's it's a crapshoot you never know uh where it goes but i i think the top four players in this draft are all legit future superstars uh in, in this league i think they're all really good uh, but the thing is like with, with thompson and miller i mean you're getting you're getting guys who feel exactly what you've wanted for, for the last how many years, Keith? Like, big, long guys play multiple positions, play defense, fill the wing spot. Like, that's where this thing gets really interesting because who is available for that particular spot? Like, everyone's talking about Pascal, Mikhail Bridges, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to give up a ton of assets to go get those guys when you might not have to give up any asset. Just use the one that you have to go get a guy like Thompson or Miller to play that wing spot for you and call it a day. And then maybe use your other assets, whether that continue to be Ant in the 23rd pick or Nurk or whatever, to, to bring in other pieces around them to make their life a little bit easier in year one. But you have a guy who fills that void. Like these two guys, Thompson and Miller will fill your forward woes that you have had since you 
traded freaking or lost Nick Batum to Charlotte, right? <laughs> so that's the hard part here is because you have two generational guys, it feels like, who could fill that spot for you. So what do you do? I, I don't know. I think Scoot is an interesting one too because while he's not the forward that you need, he's kind of a consensus had Victor not been here, he's your, he's probably the number one draft pick. So talent-wise, right. there, there's the people who are you always draft best available. Um, so there's that too. Uh, I, I think it gets, like I said, I think it gets really interesting because I think Brandon Miller is the best fit, but I don't think Brandon Miller is going to be available at three. So Portland can wheel and deal here. And I also think, Keith, that there could be a realistic option to trade to the fourth pick. Okay. Ooh, trading down. Yes, because, and people, why? Why would you, dra- why would you trade down? to the fourth pick because say say Brandon Miller's off the board so it's Scoot okay. and Thompson and Portland is not going to draft best available they're going to draft for fit and so they go with Thompson in that in that particular spot and people would say well why would you trade down when you can just draft Thompson at third because a rebuilding team like Houston even though they 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 have a few guards they might end up trading a ton of those assets because if if if, if James Harden comes in then they mm. might be they might trade some of those young guys out to bring more talent around the edges, right? And so you could get James Harden, you could trade your young guys out, bring in some other forwards, and then you could draft Scoot to have another point guard. And so that might intrigue them. So why would Houston want to do that if you wanted Thompson? And they could say, well, you could maybe they just draft Thompson at three. Scoot's going to be available at four. Because I think Scoot is so talented that if he's available there, Portland drafts him. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, they can say, yeah, we, we gotcha. like Thompson, so we're going to call Houston and say, here's the deal. You give us the fourth pick and a, and future, fir- and, and a future first, Yeah, and we'll give you the third. You can draft your guy, Scoot. We'll take Thompson at four. Or we know you really covet Scoot, but we're going to draft him at three if you don't take this deal. You know what I'm saying? So you, there, that's, <laughs> yeah, so it's you, leverage. I like that. So your leverage there is you get your guy that you wanted, and you get another asset on top of it. So that that that's where I think things could, could play out uh, interestingly here. And so there's so I, many options, so many options, Keith. I don't know the right one. Like you said, there's option A, B, and C. No, there's option A, B, C, D, oh, dot, yeah. dot, and, dot, double A, double B, double C, yeah. dot, 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 like dot, triple A, like, prime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Option T prime might even be what we end up with just because there are so many possibilities they're probably going through and all the different variables for it. But I like what you're saying here. The real the real shakeup would be if Charlotte, with the number two pick ahead of us, ends up going for overall talent and takes Scoot instead of Fit and takes Miller, right? Because then opening that up opening that up for for Blazers to take Brandon Miller changes all of this talk. But like you're saying, if 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 we we're if we we're to assume that Charlotte takes Miller and then Scoot would be our pick, you look at those guys the teams below us. Portland at number three in the draft. Four is Houston, five is Detroit, six is Orlando, seven is Indiana, eight is Washington. Number four through eight, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, Washington. Those are all teams who are looking more for those kind of those, those young talents, those rebuilding pieces, like you said, as far as Houston. Like they, those are all people that we could probably be talking to about, hey, you like this? What are you going to give us for it? Yeah, and, and there's another guy there who's going to be available uh, a little bit later that a lot of people like, uh, myself included. That's Jarris Walker, another big six oh, seven yeah. guy listed another as Walker. a guard, but can play forward. And that's an interesting one because what if you look at Orlando, who has the sixth and the eleventh yep. pick, and you're like, okay, oh, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you the third pick for the sixth pick, the eleventh pick, and Wendell Carter Jr. 
who I think would be a, a pretty big upgrade, like a, a decent, a, a decent big man to get. Right. Oh, that's a lot to get. You're not giving up any other assets. Like I will give you the third pick so you can go get scoot. You just give me six eleven and a, and and a player. I'll I'll throw in a player to be named later to whatever it is. Maybe you flip like at that in that case. Like I'll give you the third. I'll, honestly, I'll give you the third and Nurkic. Give me six eleven and Wendell Carter Jr. Boom, call it a deal. Now you can still draft the guy, or you can package those two picks and hey, I'll give you Ant and six and eleven, and you give me Pascal Siakam or whatever it is. Right? Oh boy. Oh, okay, Wendell Carter Jr., who's a good center. Pascal Siakam, who's a better power forward than he is a center. So you play him at four. You re-sign Jeremy Grant, and I think you play him at the three. You call it a day. Shaden Sharp plays plays the two for you. You still got Damian Lillard, and and you you got room to work. Like, I, I, and again, I'm just I am. This is not. Something premeditated. This is just me spitballing is in the spitballing? moment. This is Chris spitballing here. Yes. Thinking of things <laughs> that they, they could do, but like you paused for a second. You're like, oh, I didn't even think about that possibility. Like, well, so, I think okay. that's good value for the third pick, right? It does. No, a, it is a good starting value. center it's... and two other lottery picks. For, boom, call it a I, deal. I, I had to go start looking at some of Wendell's uh, numbers and figures as far as his contract and age and all that. Five years experience, 24 years old. He was a number seven pick in 2018 for anyone a little less familiar. Uh, we were talking about Nurk's contract being good value. Wendell's a little less, man. He's getting 13 million next season, only just under 12 million the year after that and just over 10 the year after that. So that is a, a young, talented center on a cheap contract. And it, it, is, it is interesting. I think my one biggest hang up with the, the, just the spitballing that you're talking about would be, again, if Blazers are talking about this middle road where you're trying to use picks to build a, a round dame, so we're, we're not talking about future value. We're talking about guys that can be valuable now. I think when you start trading down in picks, maybe that gets a little more a little more uneasy for fans as far as thinking, okay, you know, this, the sixth pick, like you said, maybe is possible, but now what does that 11th pick do? Or, you know, again, like, if we're talking about an Anthony package, Toronto seems to really want to hold out and not be real clear on uh, on how much how much they'd want Anthony. So maybe that only gets his OG instead of Siakam. Still, that's a lot of value. If you get Wendell and OG and let's say like a sixth pick out of just giving away the third pick. That's 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 not, third pick and seven. That's basically all you traded, right? So so you that's found ways. That's not bad. You found ways to maximize that because it's not all about Keith. It's not just. Third pick and ant to Toronto gets me X. Right. Like right, it can be right. third pick to Orlando gets me X. I use those assets, turn around to get Y. I turn around Y and I get Z. And now I'm feeling good about myself. And you, you might even be able to get more than that out of them uh, mm. if, you, if you throw in players there as well. But like Orlando, like you couldn't tell me that if Scoot's available at three, that they wouldn't be intrigued to send you a fat oh deal because Scoot paired with Paulo Bencaro. Yeah, man. To, I mean, that's, you, oh, you have flipped the script yeah. on your team that has been struggling mightily for a very, very long time um, and put yourself in a very good position uh, to be good in the future with two absolute yeah. studs. And so may, maybe you get a third team uh, involved in there. Maybe it's a Toronto or something so that Ant can move because, again, where where you want to put him? Maybe the, I mean, Ant in Orlando is a natural fit because of being a, a Florida guy, an Orlando guy, right? So Markel Fultz, who started to play well, maybe he's an asset. That, like, there's so many things you can do. Like, everyone yeah. has been just focused, Keith, on uh, would would Toronto want Ant in the third pick or would McKell? Like, there are so the many single things big you move. can do. Yeah, there's like so the, the many things you move. can do. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and so I, I again, I like the third pick. I the more I've talked about it myself, the more I see value in in using that pick because again, I, I Scoots, I think, going to be a really good player. 
Brandon Miller as well. I really like Amen Thompson, but you can go get guys. And here's the thing too, like the scary part, no matter where you're drafting, Keith, we have, a, we have an idea of how good Scoot will be. Brandon Miller, Thompson, et cetera. They've never stepped foot on the court yet. Oh, it's so all there's still, a, it's there's all still a, a question mark. Absolutely. As we're like with Wendell Carter Jr., who had five years damn good, a pretty damn good year uh, for Orlando this year. Yeah. And the last two, I, we know, we know that as a starting center in this league right now, like he, mm. he is a 15 and 10 guy. He's proven. Like, He's proven like to a certain we, level. We, yeah. We know that. So again, not saying these are, these are, I like to make sure that people know, like, these are not things that I'm, I'm saying or rumors I've been hearing. These are just pure spitballing for the, for the hell of it. But I think little things like that can, can intrigue you. So you look at Orlando and you're like, I'll give you the pick, Wendell Carter, but I also see some other pieces that I like. So I'll throw in Ant. We need to make money work. Give me Franz Wagner. He's he, Ooh, a starting, okay. a starting small forward, averaged almost 20 points per game last year. Shot, thought, shot 37% from deep two years in, like he's a good player. Call good. Why would Orlando want to do that? He's a young guy and they're cause they can go with Ant, scoot and Ben and have fun. Right. Yeah. Like again. And, and if you're Portland, the third pick and Ant got you a starting caliber center. And if you don't get rid of Nurk, like he's, a, you just got a stud ass backup center, right? You got a starting forward. In, in Franz Wagner, you, you go re-sign Jeremy Grant. You have Shaden Sharp. Maybe Nurk in the 23rd pick or any other assets you got, go get you an upgrade over that so you can have a good starting too. Like, like this is the thing I hate, Keith. This is something my, my, my good friend, the godfather, Dwight James, always argues. But does it make you a championship contender? Does it make you a championship contender? Not in on one move, but it doesn't have to. On paper... On paper, Keith, how many pe- how many players were champ or teams were championship contenders this year? Like four or five, right? Uh, of those four and five teams that we all said were championship contenders, only one of them's in the finals. Yeah, Boston ain't there. Philly ain't there. Milwaukee ain't there. Right? Phoenix ain't there. Lakers Denver ain't is. there. Woohoo! So I just want to throw right? in there. Now we were, no one was no one was arguing all year long that Miami was a championship contender, and here they are. They're in the finals. No, they're getting boat raced by Denver, but I mean they've been competitive. They've won a game. They've won a game. And they could Timmy this Butler is why I amazing. firmly believe that a guy like Damian Lillard, when he says the team, he wants the team to get better, he understands that you want to be in the playoffs and competitive and have a chance to make a run. And I think you can do that if you make the right moves. Again, now there's a lot of people who are gonna come poo-poo, Chris. I'm not trading a third pick for Franz Wagner and, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. And I'm not saying you have to. My point I'm making is there's so many more potential moves out there than just Pascal and Mikhail Bridges. And everyone talks about Mikhail. Like, here's the deal. I think you can go get Wendell Carter Jr. and or Franz Wagner for the third pick and an ant and maybe another asset or two as where people are suggesting that uh, Toronto wants wanted four first round picks for OG Ananobi or Milwaukee or uh, Toronto's Brooklyn full wants, of it though, man. Right. Right. But, or, or, or Brooklyn wants four first round picks for Mikhail. Well, yeah, you just got rid too. of, <laughs> you just got rid of the third pick. You improved your roster and didn't get rid of every single asset you had. It's not a bad move. Like it's not we, a bad we have move to be logical here. I think the big thing is that if we're making these moves where it moves like what you're talking about, where it's not just one move that's going to suddenly turn us into, Oh, it's a contender around Dame. 
it just means that those other moves have to also happen. We can't make a minor move with Orlando, like trading them the pick for for these for Wendell and and Wagner, if we don't then also do other things to improve the roster. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't want it to see be I don't want it to be a, a Neil O'Shea special where they're doing stuff on the fringe and then just like wagging a finger at anyone who says it wasn't enough. But that, I don't <laughs> think it's the case either. I think Cronin has really shown already. Again, listening to you make these comparisons or these theoreticals about making a couple small pieces and what it could really turn into beyond the first step is what we've already seen from Joe. It's not, I, I, it might not be a one move thing, guys. It might be multiple, and I'm I'm here for it because I think it's going to be really interesting. As far as where we keep the third pick as a way to build around Dame, does that end up being foot in mouth for Dame? You think if if this doesn't get traded uh, for for bigger pieces like Wendell or for other even larger pieces, which we can talk about in just a second. Does this end up being a bit of foot in the mouth as far as him saying he doesn't want any more 19-year-olds then having to come back and say, hey, you know what? This 19-year-old, this one in particular, he's actually pretty good. I could see this working. No, I don't think you, so. You're not worried about it? You, you don't think Dame's going to have to worry about walking statements back? No, because if they draft Brandon Miller, he gets to be like, well, I'm not wrong. Brandon Miller's 20. He's not 19, so we're good. Ah, so <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Let's talk about that, that third path then. If we were to trade the third pick, if we were to go with that, not not necessarily trading the third pick for kind of these packages like you're saying, because I still kind of consider that the middle road where we're pulling in uh, lesser pieces, whether it's the the third pick or or other piece that maybe wouldn't be seen as that superstar to instantly make us a contender. All those all those all those trades that would be multi step trades like we we're talking about. I feel like that kind of falls in that middle road. The third path would be trading the third pick straight up for a superstar. Like we've theorized before, like people have fantasized about. We've heard ESPN heads and other GMs trying to undervalue the third pick, saying it wouldn't be enough. Like you mentioned, uh, Toronto and Brooklyn both saying, oh, you'd have to give us that plus uh, plus much more if you're going to get one of these guys who's a fringe star from them. I don't know if that's really undervaluing the third pick or overvaluing their pieces. Either way, this stuff happens every season. It's what... It's what GMs do in the NBA Lions season, like we've been talking about. I just, I don't like it. I don't like all the smoke. I wish there was a little more transparency for fans. But if the Blazers were to trade this third pick and make it a superstar trade, Joel Embiid was the fantasy that seems unlikely. Jalen Brown, uh, also probably a bit of a fantasy, given that he made that all NBA money. That is not happening, guys. It's Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. I I love Jalen Brown, too. I think there is questions about whether... If we're talking about this being a superstar trade, if picking up Jalen Brown qualifies as being impactful enough for the Blazers, I'm not saying Jalen Brown isn't a superstar, but it's not the same as putting Embiid next to Dame. Putting Jalen Brown next to Dame doesn't have nearly, I think, as much of kind of a secure locked in, like, oh, they're a contender now kind of feel. Right, he's a superstar and at, at, at your biggest position of need, so it's it's a That's, home run yeah. swing. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong about that. It's certainly, it's we talked earlier about the gap between shooting guard or small forward and what we could get. Uh, if we got Jalen Brown, that is a massive gap that you're bridging there. So I'm, I'm not arguing against it. I just think in general, fans are maybe, I think you'd have a harder time convincing fans that that elevates us to that contender level. Pascal Siakam, who we just talked about. Toronto is overpricing him, continues to overprice him. Also cont- continues to overprice OG. Also, again, this is what GMs do. They overprice their assets. This is called trying to establish leverage. If we were to pull Siakam for that third pick, do you think that puts us into that contender range? Do, do, does that make us a better team than Jalen Brown would? Like, which of those two would you target first, I guess? I mean, it's an interesting question, but like, I mean, Jalen like Brown... the priority it, target? Like, like Jalen Brown would be the priority if he's available. He, he's be- I mean, he's he's better than Pascal Siakam when it comes to his impact overall. I mean, he's, he's, he's an all-NBA player who brings it on both ends of the floor, fills your major position of need. Like he's, that's the where biggest I'm gap you got. 
Yeah. He's not moving, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like he's I, I... not. Like break down the numbers. If he if he signs with Boston, if he signs with Boston, he can get 280 mil. If he gets traded and signs with that team in the offseason, he can get 250 mil. So he's leaving 40 to 50 million dollars on the table. If he just enters free agency, he can sign for 180 mil. So he's leaving $100 million Oof. on the That's table. Such a gap. That's such a large deficit. He's yeah. re-signing with the Celtics when they offer him the extension. Pretty cut and dried. Pretty much every single, per- I think every single player who's been available for the max level extension has got that max level extension. So he's it, he's going to get it. It would be okay? silly for him not to. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. That's the, the super max. Not, not just a max deal, just the super max. Right. And he's worth it. Siakam is, go- is, is likely available as well. They're, they're a rudderless ship. Like, the, what was their quote for the, the new coach they just hired? Oh, we hired someone that can make right, this team right. be competitive, but also rebuild it if that's the way we decide to go. Like, smoke screens all around. Because I think very OG much and, Neil O'Shea special as far as how they're. Oh, yeah. The I think Pascal and, and OG are, are totally, totally available. I, I think they're both uh, very obtainable. I think they're both going to come cheaper than I think people are, are suggesting as well. Like, I think, like, even Mikhail, like, everyone, oh, they want four first round picks. Mikhail's value has been inflated because he was part of the Kevin Durant deal. Let's just be completely right. honest. They're like, oh, he's it took four picks and Mikhail Bridges. Like, that, come on, Mikhail is right. not uh, get over that. Like, let me let me pivot the question then. Instead of comparing Siakam to Brown, because I'm with you, I think Embiid and Brown are the fantasies. Those are the guys that Blazers fans are are would probably love to have in here. Uh, would definitely elevate us to that next level, even if it's not readily apparent with someone like Jalen Brown, just because it's a guard versus a, a big. But those two are not really probably attainable siakam versus bridges though like you said both these teams brooklyn and toronto they're posturing they're they're doing this for leverage they're trying to up the value trying to it's what gms do it's the gm's job to try and squeeze as much out of these assets as they can but i'm with you where i think those siakam and ananobi from toronto or mikhail bridges from brooklyn are probably on the move i i I think they're a lot more attainable than than is being let on which way do you swing with them? Like, wh- who is your priority target among those? I mean, I, I I get your question, but it all it all depends on what the asking price is, my man. Like, mm, asking yeah, yeah. asking price matters here. Like, if you're telling me they're the asking price on all of them is the exact same, then it's Mikhail yeah. Bridges. If you're telling me the the Nets continue to inflate Mikhail Bridges' asking price, but Toronto undersells on OG, then then it's OG. Now, that, do I think OG on Anobi uh, is someone you trade the third pick for? Absolutely not. Do yeah, I that's think way OG, too much. Do I think OG Ananobi is available for, you know, maybe an ant package plus the 23 pick? Absolutely, I do. And I would do that in a heartbeat. Mm. Like, let's just put it this way. Like, if you look, you and I have said this for a while, that like OG Ananobi and Anthony Simons are like in the same tier of player when it comes to pro- their their overall like value, I would, I would yeah. say. Right? But within that tier, OG Ananobi is higher than Ant because of the de- the defense he brings. So he's going to command. That, that's why if I was like, I, I don't see a Ant for OG straight up, but I could see an Ant plus the 23rd pick can get you an OG on Anobi. And when people say, no, well, Toronto wants four first round picks for OG on Anobi. Well, if you're a Blazer fan who thinks trading Anthony Simons is getting you four first round picks, you're probably crazy because <laughs> that's not going to happen. Right. right. So what why does why does OG on Anobi command that? So like that that's where I am on that. That's why I personally think he could be available for far less than anybody uh, out there is stating. Uh yes, um 
you know, Neil Olshay stupidly gave up multiple first round picks for Robert Covington, but I mean, dumb GMs make dumb moves. So uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it, again, this is what I think the value is. I, I think some of these players that you see, I think will be traded for, for far under, under their value. I mean, uh, or not under their value, but for far less value than I think we're putting upon them. Um, and that tends to be the case. I mean, look at, look at, at Aaron Gordon. Oh my God. The impact Aaron Gordon is having on these finals and this Denver nugget team, a player that Damian Lillard openly wanted to play with a player that Neil Olshay didn't want to trade for a player that the nuggets got for pretty much nothing. Yeah. DeAndre Aiden, the the name Aiden seems to really be popping up as far as a Blazers target. And again, this could very much be smoke. This could be coming from Phoenix. This could be coming from ESPN. Phoenix made moves a couple days ago to let Chris Paul go. And then, of course, instantly the rumors start, could Dame be heading to Phoenix? And then right after that is when you start seeing the headlines of, could Aiden be someone the Blazers are interested in? Obviously, there's not going to be a Dame for Aiden trade. That is absurd. How much would you give up for Aiden, though? Like we talked about earlier, he's not as much of an improvement over Nurk. Obviously, if we're making a package for Aiden, you got to include Nurk. Do you think that is something like Nurk in the 23rd? I, 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 just money-wise, it's going to take more than that. What does it look like to you, no, I guess? I don't, I, I don't think there is at all. Um, just not just throwing it out, just being like, not even worth it? I, I just don't think he's gone. I think, I think, I think he becomes a hot-button topic, but I, I think the dissension in that front or in that team was between Aiton and Monty Williams and the, and the team made a choice. They, they yeah. got rid of, they got rid of Monty. They hired Frank Vogel, who I think is a pretty good, uh, big man coach who, who kind of knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Now, if you talk to people in Phoenix, like they don't believe it. Like they, they still, they still think that, uh, he's gone, but, uh, Frank Vogel is kind of been vocal about prizing, DeAndre Ayton and thinking he can get him back to to you know where he should be get him back in involved get his head right and, and get him to be an all-star type center like he's a really really good center they hired a, a coach that I think is good with with big men and again like I think I think that the problem was brewing between Monty and Ayton and the team could have picked to move on from Ayton and keep the coach or move on from the coach and keep Ayton and Monty Williams is now the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't see the incentive um, to move on from DeAndre Ayton. And this is also the, the 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 craziness here, Keith. Like, how much better would the Blazers be with DeAndre Ayton? How much better would they be with DeAndre Ayton? DeAndre Ayton, look at how much better they would be with DeAndre Ayton. So so the team that's that that has been one of the best regular season teams in the last couple seasons who has been right there on the cusp. Doesn't want the, the center that's going to go make all the other teams better. Like that's right. No, (laughs) you find ways to maximize that asset. And which I think they're doing with a a good hire in in Frank Vogel, Chris Paul, that leverage is going to give them um, some flexibility when it comes to adding pieces around them for a team that has limited assets because of the Kevin Durant trade. Again, mm. you give Kevin, I mean, God, it took Kevin Durant and, and them a little bit to gel. I think that that played a part in that as well, but oh, definitely. right. Co- right. Coach, right. Mentality, right. Small moves. Phoenix can be right in the mix again. So ah, I just don't see the incentive for Phoenix to move off of Deandre Ayton unless he is some sort of locker room cancer, which again, I just, I don't, I don't think he is. I think behind closed doors, this had a lot more to do with uh, lack of respect between him, him and Monty him Williams. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I just, I wanted to throw it out there just because it has been a talking point in 
I feel like there's just been more headlines around Aiton and the Blazers in the last couple of days. But I'm with you. I, I don't see it. I think it is largely smoke, like we've been saying about so much of the stuff happening in the NBA Lions season. But we're almost done, man. We're 11 days out from the draft. Uh, just over, just under two weeks from now, we will we will have the draft. And on June 23rd, we can put all the theorizing and the theoreticals and the will they, won't they behind us, and we can get back to actually talking about what the NBA, what the Blazers roster is going to look like. Listeners, if you haven't done it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. We are continuing our offseason fun. It'll get even more fun as we finally get past the Lions season, get back to real Blazers banter going all through the Discord. Come and join us on the Discord. Come and join Sean Hyken, myself and Chris, a whole bunch of other podcasters, a whole bunch of other content creators, artists, and a whole ton of local fans, including the third bench. The the season ticket group, which we started last year, was a riveting success was a wild awesome time all season going to games and we've added a few members we're only going to have more fun this next season come and join the trailcasters discord come and talk with the third bench all these other podcasters all the other fun on there just come and do it just 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 come and join the party if you're not here yet you're late word chris that's all i've really got for the day man it is so good to see you again it's good to go over this again it feels really nice to stretch the my NBA conversational muscles, even if I have uh, let them kind of uh, die off a little bit recently and have made some silly tongue twister mistakes today. Trent Watford, Jabari Walker, they're not quite the same player. Neither is Jarris Walker, but you know, I could I could make them all one person if I try. Uh, yeah, <laughs> neither's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on Star Wars, man. We've been I've been rewatching Clone Wars with my wife. Uh, we're getting ready for the Ahsoka series coming out. I think before the NBA starts up again, there's lots to do. There's lots more fun we're gonna have this off season before basketball kicks back into high gear. But for today, I think that's really it, my man. Uh, thank you. Thank you as always. It's good to see you again. It's good talking to you. Listeners, if you want to come join us, come on the Discord. If you don't want if you don't want to join the Discord, I guess just wait for this next episode and I'll try and beg you again at that point. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beasts. And thank you, all you listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsky basketball, and our latest episode. Please come and join the fun on the Trailcaster Discord. Please come back for the next episode, whenever it is. We'll try and get one more in before the draft, but with this job, I just don't know what my time's going to look like. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you, and please come back next week or the week after for the next edition of the Trailcasters. 